We live? We're live. I think we're, we're on. on. We got well, power yeah. out of a meeting. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Uh, Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive of the weekend service. Uh, today is a unique day, as I feel like half of our recordings are. Um, we are recording this in the middle of a tropical storm, so if we lose power, which has happened tropical two or three storm times, psoriasis. Yeah, it's happened psoriasis. That's no, it's not, <laughs> I, 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 I don't. Know, I can't even pronounce I it. Isosceles. Isosceles. I don't know something. Um, but if we lose power, we will be back, or we won't be. We'll we'll figure that out. So we're just yeah. going to cross that bridge. We're there now. If it shows up. So thank you for joining us. If you're watching us live, sorry for the technical difficulties. We're starting a little bit later. Um, if you're watching this or listening to this later, you have no idea what we're talking about. That's fine. It's Everything was perfect. No need to talk through that. So um, one thing that we do want to talk to you about before we jump into the deeper dive into the weekend message is that this coming Sunday, so we're recording this on August 4th, this coming some Sunday, August 9th, we need your help, the CLC Church, in helping us to find our nominating committee for the next round of elders for the Christian Life Center. Elders are the ones that are particularly responsible for help guarding and keeping the vision of the church. And so what we need you to do as a congregation is to submit names for who you think would be a good fit to be on that nominating committee. Basically, that committee gets together and they discuss who they think would be good elders. So starting this Sunday, you can Saturday, do it. Saturday, I guess, too. Saturday, Saturday too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So starting this weekend service, we'll say that because it, it's all-inclusive. Starting this weekend, we are looking for nominations for who you think would be great to be on that nominating Elder Nominating Committee. I want to make sure that I say that correctly. So you can submit your names by info at clcfamily.church. If you're here for a drive-in service, you can write it on the, the Connect card and drop that in the barrels on your way out. Um, and pretty much any way that you can get it to us, you can call the office, like any way that you can get that information to us, we will take it as you help us figure out who eventually will be our next elders. But for this round, right now we're looking for nominating Elder Nominating Committee members. So write who you think that would be anything you would add to that? Did I miss anything or not? No, nope, so I think we'll nominate some elders, elder nominating committee will get together, we'll make some kind of uh, they'll put together, I guess, a slate. They yep. go, hey, we think these are the, the next four elders. Then we'll bring those for the church. Right. If it'll be in person on video, if it'll be pictures. And you guys actually get to affirm and vote on those elders as well as we're trying to discern that. The word elder in the scriptures just means pastor. And a church our size needs multiple pastors to care and support and lead and teach and all those things. And so be thinking about people who are full of wisdom, discernment, Holy Spirit, right. who can help us discern new pastors to help care for our congregation right. and flock, if you like that term. Right. One other thing that I'll just quickly mention, too, is that on the second and fourth Fridays of the month oh, of yeah. August, we are going to be doing a movie night. Last week, we had to cancel the, the second week, but on the fourth week, we did uh, the movie Onward, which was a great showing. Hopefully, you enjoyed that, too, for those that came out to that. Uh, this week, on the 14th, we will be showing, I believe, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, I just got to read some reviews and make sure that it's an appropriate movie to show. So that's what I think that we'll be doing on the 14th, and then on the 28th, we'll also do another movie night so hopefully you can join us for that and tune back in and pay attention to the announcements because there's a real possibility that these may at least one of them maybe both of them will be at a much earlier time we understand that it's difficult for your kiddos so we have this big led screen that we're working on uh, uh, developing building as we speak yeah. and uh, so that would be able to let us push the start time a lot earlier yeah so pay attention to that as yeah. we move forward. so we will definitely keep you updated uh, 
please check out our website, check out Facebook. Uh, if you haven't done so, download our app. You can text 77977, text the word CLC Family app. CLC Family is one word, app is the second word, to 77977, and you can download that. So we've got push notifications, uh, all kinds of updates that we're trying to keep you updated and communicate as best we can. So. I think that's probably all the announcements that we have. Um, if you had joined us this past weekend, we were on week three of the Gospel of Luke or Luke's Gospel. And um, we're really gonna be taking this slow over the next several months, possibly even the next several years, yeah. as we're kind of diving into what the Gospel of Luke means, how that what that implies for us as believers, and how we can truly know who, who Christ was and what his mission and his purpose was. So do you wanna kind of bring us up to speed with what we've talked about? Yeah, so welcome was? back. So much better than Thanks. Christian. Here. Yeah, I know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that uh, guy, he's such yeah. a rookie. He's yeah. learning, though. Yeah, he is. He's I hope he's listening he's, right he's now. He's growing up. Yeah, he's supposed to be texting us, letting us know if you can hear the audio. Yeah. Waiting on you, Christian. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so we're now, good news, we're one-third of the way through the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke. We're very excited about that. We've got three more weeks just in the first chapter, and... Um, Love this book. Probably my favorite of all the Gospels. In fact, probably it is. I like the Gospel of John. I like its pithiness and its succinctness. But there's just something about uh, the detailed uh, report of what we get in the Gospel of Luke. And, you know, uh, so uh, what I've shared with you in the past, you can catch it online. But just, again, the review is kind of helpful there. That Dr. Luke was a physician turned investigative journalist. Hired by a guy named Theophilus to spend years, if not a decade, uh, researching uh, whether or not uh, Theophilus and us can be certain of the things that they, we've been taught about Jesus, right? That he is mm -hmm. Lord, that he's born of a virgin, that he uh, died and then came back to life, which is beautiful because those are all medical things. Died, come back to life, uh, biology about, you know, virginity and conception. So it's pretty neat that Theophilus would have found a brilliant scientist, doctor, hired him to go and spend a ton of time and energy trying to figure out whether these claims are true. So this is the guy who gives us more of the miracles in the scriptures than others. He gives us more of Jesus' teaching. He quotes Jesus in 568 of his 1151 verses. So this guy is well-documented, well-researched. And what we found out in the first, very first few verses is that Luke kind of did three things. He went and he read all the other documents about Jesus, particularly we would have, uh, he would have read Matthew and Mark, these gospels that would have been written earlier. These are people who knew Jesus, walked with Jesus, or at least had some experience with people who, who did. Matthew, we know, is a tax collector, walked with Jesus, walked away from this, you know, this pagan life filled with what he thought was, was pleasure that would fulfill him, and he found himself lonely. Jesus comes in, calls him by name, and invites him into the journey. And so Matthew writes a gospel, and then Mark writes a gospel to different audiences, but both with the kind of a Jewish pedigree or background. And so Luke would have been able to write those, read those and kind of compile those things in all the writings, right? This is not like us doing a Google search. This would have taken years to you know get all this stuff so he had to gather all the information it's a little different for us because we're in the 21st century we're spending a lot of time sorting information not gathering it the 20th century is about gathering it but Luke would have gathered all the information first and so this would have been a you know a, a very heavy workload but we see that he got all of these written documents we also he tells us that he would have gotten an oral tradition so he had gone and listened to the local pastors priests rabbis share the story of Jesus so he had gone town to town village the village heard those things and compiled those reports right 95 percent of the men at that time so 98 percent of the people at that time uh, would have been illiterate the only way they would have known any of this is if someone would spoke it out loud and so luke was 
wasn't going to miss that. So he went and heard all those things. And the third one, which I think is so profound, particularly in light of, of this message, is that he went and sat down with eyewitnesses. In mm -hmm. fact, he not only writes the Gospel of Luke, he writes the Book of Acts. That's the actions of the first apostles. So two, uh, one third of the entire New Testament's made in those two books in terms of the content, not the number of books. But And so what we see is Luke is walking with eyewitnesses. And as he's walking with eyewitnesses, Peter, Paul, others, what he's doing there is eventually he's going to in insert himself in the story. So he's going to move from using words like they to words right. like we. So it's so amazing that he would have walked with eyewitnesses and sat down with them and asked them experiences. So for example, when we get in a couple of weeks when we hear about the shepherds who are living out in the fields by night with their sheep and all of a sudden an angel appears to them and they use the bathroom on themselves. That story, Luke would have been like, tell me exactly what that experience is like. Like really, really neat. And why that matters so much for this particular story is Luke is going to show up to an eyewitness that many, if not most yeah. scholars, believe um, Luke would have sat down with. And this is the Virgin Mary, right? So, yeah. you know, physician Luke gets to investigate the biology of this and have some conversations and... Um, uh, investigate kind of the mesmerizing story that you know Mary uh, uh, experiences and it's a real story that she shares and then he's going to capture it and put it in writing and so first he tells us in the in the first few verses what kind of the review is going to be like how this is going to ha happen this is the you know introduction of how he's going to compile this whole book then we see him appear to this old couple uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah, who have been wanting a child forever, don't have a child, and you can go back and listen last week's, and are pretty, pretty devastated. I mean, so what I like about that is he starts the book with people we can identify with. You can't, I can't identify with Immaculate Conception. I don't think so. So that's like, oh, that's weird. I, I can't identify with that one. But I can identify with hopelessness. I can identify with having this expectation of God that he didn't come through, right? And so he starts with that story of this old lady uh, an old man who get to experience this great gift God calls John that name great gift there's a real possibility uh, that they would have saw John and walk and saw his persecution and being beaten up so even though he's a great gift they got to uh, they went like it was all puppies and rainbows from that point because right. it wasn't the greatest gift that pointed to the greatest gift which was coming which is Jesus and so now we're going to begin to see the initiation of the story that has been unfolding for thousands of years happen right in this moment when this angel Gabriel shows up in this little podunk town in Nazareth. So uh, yeah. ironic person, wouldn't have expected it, just like Elizabeth, wouldn't expect this young virgin. And, you know, one of the questions that came up this week in overtime, so I want to hit that one quick, is, hey, it's interesting that, you know, Luke's going to contrast these yeah. two females early on. And do, you want, do you want me to read that question? Yeah, he's watching yeah. it specifically. So, so I'll get back to the This was a question one. from one of our listeners. It says, it was a great sermon today and offered a lot of insight into Thank Mary you. and mm -hmm. Elizabeth. Um, uh, this person and their wife were wondering why God went to the extremes of the oldest, Elizabeth, and the youngest, Mary, in choosing mothers of Jesus and John. Do you have any insight around that? I think that's a great question. I actually wish yeah. I would have covered it in the sermons because there's some neat stuff there. So thanks for asking it. Boy, that helps provide some color to this. So there are, are, are two really invaluable people um, in, in first century. Yeah. Uh, young people who can't produce babies yet, right? Women, women who didn't, couldn't do the same kind of work on the field. So it was a very physical uh, culture where your worth came to do with what you could produce. Just uh, nature of anatomy and biology, men could do more than women. So a woman's value is in what she could produce. But pre, uh, you know, pre, you know, you know, hormones and puberty. There's not much you can do there. So right there, the early age of 12 to 14, there's not much happening. There's eventually going to be something. But there's only one person that's worth less than a, a little girl. It's an old girl, right? Because guess what? They can't do anything anymore. Yeah. Particularly an old girl who's never had a kid. And so what's so weird is you think about God is about to, and you're going to see it. This angel's going to say it. Like God is about to 
insert the king of kings into the world. Right. And what we see over and over again is God chooses the least in yeah. so many ways, right? Because this is the, this is what makes the Christian worldview so different than every other worldview, right? Every other worldview, all religions tell you all the things you should do to make this perfect, godly, kingly God happy, right? If you do enough, the king's happy with you and he lets you live another day, right? Yeah. Or their worldview tells you that you're the king and if you do enough, you can esteem yourself to whatever value and have your own little you know, domain, your own kingdom, your own little minions, whatever it is. So religion is man's attempt to either get back to God by their performance or their understanding or their education or become their own God, right? And so what makes Christianity so distinctly different, it is the only religion, to go chase them out, look them all down, look them all up, right? Where there is a God who does all the work to reconcile himself to man, right? And the way he does it is through Jesus. Now what's so interesting about this is there takes, Philippians tells us that there takes this deep level of humility that happens for God to step down. He, he was in heaven, fully God, put on human flesh and showed up in the form of a baby like this is not the story i'm writing of my kingly kid yeah. right you know there's thunderbolts and lightning and like you know all sorts of crazy things you know uh dry ice that would be in the story like <laughs> raised out of the pit he'd be on drums and they'd be raised and he'd be you know swinging pyrotechnics and yeah you gotta yeah. have pyrotechnics yeah, all that kind of stuff like, that taught insert my yeah. messiah boy right but this isn't what he does there's just this crazy humility and it's just is so transforming because what you see about the kingdom of heaven it's about Humility and love yeah. and grace and meeting people where they are, not where you tell them they should be. Building the bridge to where they are. Like mm -hmm. the greatest sense is what Jesus does. He builds a bridge. And the way he's going to do it is through these absurdly humble places. So if you want to show off your humility and you want to help them understand the, the gospel of those who are humble, God gives grace to the humble. You know, like he strikes on the proud. If you want to see how that whole paradigm gets flipped on its head in terms of what the kingdom of God is like, how do you do that? Well, it makes sense. You would insert people that everybody else has found as less mm -hmm. valuable. So yeah. he's going to do two miraculous things, right? And so what we understand in terms of miracles in the scriptures is they're not just to prove that he's God, right? They're to give us a picture of the way that things are going to be mm -hmm. one day. Everything unsad, or everything sad will become untrue. He'll make everything sad unsad, right? That's that's the story of the gospel, right? And so you're going to see God do this first with Elizabeth. He's going to make an unsad or a sad story and turn it unsad. And now we have this other little girl that he's going to appear to who everybody else still would have deemed as um, invaluable. No, they would have seen her as an object of pleasure. Right, they'd have seen her as a means to their end, but it was their end, not her end. And so God is going to step in and go, this isn't a means to anybody else's end. This is her end with me, the, the King of kings and Lord of yeah. lords. So you see these two different stories, which are just, for us, we go, yes, we love, we're pro-women. Yep, the reason we are is, and we're pro-equality. Yep, the reason we are is actually right here. Jesus yeah. is the one who establishes this through the story. So Luke yeah. is saying something to the Theophilus, which is nuts, right? Because Theophilus would have had the same worldview. Women yeah. are not valued. So this idea that Christianity is anti-women is a lie from the pits of hell. There is nothing in the history of the world that uh, leveled the playing field for women more than Jesus. Like, yeah. So go, go study all the worldviews. Go study all the things. In fact, go do the research now about the most pro-women societies. And they're the ones with the most churches. Mm. They just really are. So there's something beautiful about this. So he takes Elizabeth and he takes Mary and he kind of put the sandwich of how this story comes. So one's going to have a baby who's going to point to Jesus. One's going to actually birth the King of King and Lord and Lord. And so what happens here is we get to study the story where 
and Luke's going to have this interview with her where she's going to tell the story of when the angel comes. And you go, well, Zechariah had that, and he was pretty suspicious, right? Okay, how can that be? Give me some certainty. I'll yeah. understand. And Mary's going to respond with, how will this be? Meaning, I am really curious. I don't understand it. I don't understand the strategy. I get the mission and vision, but I'm curious to how this plays out. And so we're going to see is why does she respond with this, let it be as you've said. Yeah. Let it be as you've said. And what's so great about this passage, and I'd say that's the kind of the big idea, is before Jesus ever shows up, even it's conceived in Mary or shows up on the, on the earth or shows up in the scriptures here, right? Um, what we see happen in this moment is the angel is going to give us a very clear picture of who the Messiah is, which is so different yeah. than every other godly person that we uh, that uh, false gods that people worship. And so that's the big thing is that we see in these scriptures that he tells Mary some things and he tells her kind of seven specific things and we can chart through them at some point if you want to, but uh, they're pretty neat. One, he says, hey, you're going to name him Jesus, meaning that's the, the Hebrew word Yeshua, meaning savior. He's the, the savior king. So the very first thing he says is you're going to have a baby, you're going to be a virgin, and you're going to be the savior, right? That's so, so, so neat. And the second one we see there is he was always a plan and this is so beautiful and so easy to miss in all this is that um, this story that Luke kind of captures here kind of tells the whole story, right? Yeah. The whole story. So in this, you see him whispering or saying multiple times the word virgin. Mm -hmm. Going, hey, you got to see this. And he's pointing to it. I promise you. He's yeah. pointing to it. And you see King of Kings and King of, uh, yeah, King of King David and all that stuff. That's all pointing to this passage 700 years earlier by a guy named Isaiah who's saying the way that you'll know it is that he is, he will be born of a virgin. Where you're going, that's not even possible. Well, it is now, right? And so we see that story, and you see, you'll see these different attributes of God, that he was the Savior. He was uh, He was always the plan. From Genesis through Revelation, we just see that. We see the story of Jesus whisper, or God whispering about Jesus' salvation in Genesis 3. We see the story in Isaiah of God whispering it. We see it play out in Luke. We see kind of the, the big crescendo in Revelation of God is always charting on this path. And the one thing I wish I could have said this week and didn't have time is going, if he was doing that, 6,000 years ago, whatever the number you want to go with there. If he was doing it 2,700 years ago, if he was doing it 2,000 years ago, and he'll do it sometime in the future, the reality is, is that God is always writing a story and revealing a story at all mm. times, meaning COVID is a yeah. part of God's story, guys. Yeah. Like us in 2020, right here in this community, watching this online right now, this is a part of God's story. And so the same thing that he was leaking out through Luke, the same thing he was mm. whispering through Isaiah, the same thing he was declaring through himself in Genesis, the same thing that Gabriel's saying and Michael's saying, he is he's saying the same things today. So let's open our eyes and go, he is showing us how he is Savior and Lord in this moment. So he's always been the plan and God was always revealing it. So we saw that. The third thing we saw was that he's fully man. He came as a baby really, really neat because that means he can experience what we experience and, and do uh, have com uh, compassion and empathy for our world. Like he meets us in a world that's pretty profound. He doesn't tell you to come to his world. He comes into ours and he comes to us as the same way we are. Like So he, he finds himself in us and comes and meets us here. So he's fully fully man. We see that because his birth is a baby, but it also says he's fully God because he calls him the son of the most high God, right? So this is, while he's fully man, hypostatic union, you can Google it really, really neat, understanding that he's also fully God at the same time, meaning he can, he actually can solve the problem, right? I can die for you, but it does you no good, right? I can jump out in the car, push you aside, and you go, wow, Josh is really great, but I'm not your savior, savior, because you will still die, and you'll stay dead, right? And so if this is fully God. There's some neat things that happen there. The, the fifth thing you see is that he's sovereign and Lord and king of all, meaning he's a always in charge literally he sits on his throne he has full power meaning he is not overwhelmed by our current scenario mary's scenario john the baptist scenario when he's about to be beheaded jesus is in 
fully in charge. Sixth thing we see is he says that he will reign forever. He is eternal, meaning this is good news. We will be with him forever. And the last one that we see in the scriptures is that it says he's holy, meaning he is perfect and blameless, and he actually could afford what we needed access to in God, and he could afford to pay for it by his perfect life that was given as a ransom. So it's a, so he, what we see is we see all these things happen and play out. So this angel is going to say all these things, and then Mary's going to be able to respond. And what she says, uh, and the last thing he says is, for nothing's impossible with God, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's going to say, let it be as you've said. And so this is the beauty of what happens here is her confidence isn't in this angel. Her confidence is what the angel is saying because when the angel shows up, she's scared. Yeah, right. What her confidence is is in this Savior and Lord that he's declaring is going to happen. And she's like, that's exactly who I need and who I'm looking for. Yeah. Which, by the way, he's exactly who you need and who, you're, who you mm. are looking for. Whether you believe it or not, I love, I don't know if it's Chesterton or someone. I have no idea who it is. You can Google it and you, you'll know in a couple seconds. Whoever knocks on the door of a brothel is seeking God. Right, like every time someone knocks on the door of a brothel or you know some kind of pleasure-seeking place, when they're knocking on the door, the reality is they're just seeking mm-hmm. God. They're just finding it. They're not f- going to find Him there, but they're seeking that joy and satisfaction that only can be found in Him. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to go. That's who I'm looking for. That's who I've been longing for. That's who the scriptures have been promised. And I can't wait to be a part of that story. Yeah. So that is big idea. It takes yeah. A long so as always, man, I would encourage you if you haven't already listened to the message. Let that be your starting point. Don't let over time the weekly podcast be kind of the place where you go for your information. This is always supposed to be in addition to kind of the deeper dive. So I would always encourage you, clcfamily.church slash media. You can watch or listen to the past week's uh, message. There's actually two. You can watch the drive-in or listen to the drive. Well, I think it's just watch yeah. the drive-in. But you, but you can, can close your eyes if the, you don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. you just listen. Uh, but also you can listen to the online one or watch the online one as well. So I'd encourage you to make sure that you do that. And I am pretty excited about this series because I think that you and I had a conversation. And while I have read through the book of Luke numerous times, while I've preached from it. Like, yeah, you have. You're so godly. Like, I know the book of Luke, but I don't think that I, I, as I, you know, as I look at Luke chapter 16, I'm not thinking through the lens or the perspective of, here's Luke, why did he include that in that? And I think yeah. that that was one of the things from the first week that we were talking about in the overtime production is that, hey, man, be curious. Ask those questions. Why would Luke do that? So when we see Luke starts this off in week one, we talked about his talking to Theophilus. And then week two, what we see is his uh, putting Elizabeth and Zechariah there. Like that's how he starts his story. Like that's how he talks about Jesus, not by talking about Jesus but by talking about these two older people. And then he comes to uh, Mary to where Jesus would be born. And so uh, it's pretty interesting. I'm pretty excited to, to continue on this journey as we look at the, the book of Luke. And so as we were going through it, I, I couldn't help but wonder if there was any significance to um, the, the time frame. And I don't know, this it might just be a simple answer and the answer is no, we're not sure. But the, it's as we read through Luke chapter one, and again, it goes... Elizabeth and Zechariah, and then it goes right into Mary. Um, and in verse, let me get it right. It's uh, verse 26. In the sixth month. Or, yeah, in, in the sixth month, um, in verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, to uh, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to be na- married to Joseph, 
uh, to the house of David, a virgin whose name was Mary. Like, is there any significance to that six months? I think so. That we know of? But like, not like okay, six months is symbolic for, like, I, I you know, I tend to be a little bit more literal in terms of scriptures. It is what it is, right? Yeah, and so right. obviously, Luke wants us to know it's six months, and so he's 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 catching us up to what's kind of happened between verse twenty four and twenty five and twenty six. Zechariah's quiet. Uh, what we see next is it says Elizabeth is silent. That she keeps not silent. She keeps it hidden for the first five months. So at, ver, at, at chapter six, she's kind of having her coming out party, like look at this baby, and you go, well, why is that? And well, the reality is, and I doubt she is like, well, in ver, once once we get to six months, I, I, I'll be comfortable with this. Maybe there's some of that. I know some people wait till after yeah. the first trimester. I completely understand that. You know the pain of miscarriage, all those kind of things. And so I understand kind of the, the you know like the. The process of that, and the, you know, the caution that comes with it. But I think the reality is, once you get to six months, it's kind of hard to hide anymore, <laughs> yeah. right? There's movement going on. That's a pretty neat thing. And yeah. So she's got a belly. There's movement. And so the reason why this is important. So I mean, Luke is Luke is chronological. He is orderly, so he's going to connect the dots. Yeah. Okay, five months. It's hidden. Zachariah still can't talk. No, let's get to month six. What's going on in month six? So the next thing we see here is he's going to reveal this to Mary. Now, what you don't see here, what I do talk about a little bit, is he whispers, or the angel says to Mary. Mary, that your relative, who's old by the way, is pregnant, and so yeah. there's some evidence. And what you're going to see happen next is Mary's going to go visit the, her, her in her pregnancy, and so there is something I think about him setting this up to connect the dots to mm. go. There is something tangible here that God is doing. Yeah, this isn't like just ethereal. You can imagine it up there somewhere. Like God is doing a good work right here, and so the six month just kind of says, okay, what he's prepping us for is to go. Oh, she's really pregnant. Yeah. So when he gets to, hey, Gabriel tells Mary. I mean, Luke knows he's going to tell her because yeah. Mary told Luke, and he's writing it down, that your aunt is also pregnant, and that's going to give her some confidence in all yeah. this. So that yeah, yeah. actually, after after that is when she says, um, Behold, I'm the servant, let it be, as you've said. Mm-hmm. So he gives her all the news of Jesus. Then he gives her some tangible evidence in the work that God's doing on this earth in um, in Elizabeth. And then he gives her the thesis of all that statement, right? Yeah. Let me tell you all this is going to happen. This is going to sound crazy. And then let me give you some evidence that this has already happened in what's happening in Elizabeth. And then I'm going to make this proclamation for nothing's impossible with God. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now you have all this ethereal stuff. Hasn't haven't seen it happen yet. But then you have some tangible stuff and uh, Elizabeth being pregnant. And then, then he goes, for nothing is impossible with God. She goes, right. I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard that. Elizabeth is pregnant. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. That was impossible, and God made it possible. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. think it's kind of just Luke being so intentional Detailed, and preparing right? us yeah. to go. Oh, perk your ears up. This is six months in. There's a lot to consider here. So he's just preparing us to understand that Mary's response, probably because Gabriel uh, decides to include it here, has something to do with the evidence that is seen in Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to go. It is the blood of the Lamb that covers us, right? That's yeah. why we ended in Revelation chapter twelve, right? It is the blood of the Lamb, but there's something about the supernatural miraculous that God has in our life that builds up other people's faith right yeah, like right. so when when your faith is shrinking I go I have a little extra let me underwrite your faith of some yeah, of mine right? right and so that's where I love that our church can go go chase after the craziest things and let us underwrite your faith okay go chase after God he's going to come through but then just know that we're here with you because we're going to underwrite your faith and there's going to be times where your faith's going to shrink and mine's going to increase right. there's going to be times where my faith is shrunk and yours is increased and so there's just this ebb and flow that you see happen so I think Luke is just calling out the yeah. uh, evidentiary process in this and going yep here it is there's evidence for this six yeah. month 
Elizabeth's definitely pregnant. And that makes sense because what we're seeing is how detailed he is in everything. Yeah. So at five months, there's this. He's creating a timeline even yeah. so that you can follow the story because, if, again, this is an investigation. Like, he's investigating yeah. this thoroughly, and this is his conclusion. This is kind of the summary of, okay, here's the facts, here's the proof, here's yeah. why you should believe and why you can have certainty. So, so a way you can view this, maybe, I think, is imagine since Luke was so intentional about eyewitnesses, you can almost imagine like this is like that um, – that uh, the savior's on trial for whether yeah, or not he's really the savior. That's exactly so, what I was so, thinking. So okay, let's okay. He, uh, he's he's saying he's God. He's you know, and so he's going. Let's prove the evidence of yeah. this to find him guilty of being the savior. Okay, yeah. what were you saying about it? Okay, let's talk about what happened here. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. almost like you got to see that. In some ways, you're seeing the story of Luke asking the questions to Mary, who's on trial, who's right. sharing this stuff. And so he's all leading to one thing, that you could be certain that Jesus is guilty yeah. of being the Messiah. Right? Yeah. That's kind right. of the picture right. of this. So it's a fun way to kind of view it, I guess. Yeah, that's so. exactly what I was thinking. Kind of like a courtroom drama. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's the investigator, but he's a lawyer. Like, yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. So... Uh, one of the things that, that man is about. the Messiah. <laughs> you can't handle the truth. And Jesus is like, I am the truth, bro. Calm down, Jack Nicholson. I don't know if Jack was back. Anyway, I was, I was quoting. Um, I, I know. I, I forget the movie. Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson. To a few good men. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. it. There we go. Um, so as we did talk into this, one of the things that I I thought was uh, pretty interesting as we looked at it, at it, you were talking about. Um, this small, insignificant town. It was maybe 15 to 50 people. Yeah. Um, and one of the phrases that you said was tiny tiny town, tiny girl, and then I wrote big Im implications. Yeah. Can you just kind of allude to that? And I know that you did kind of in the introduction, like as we were talking about it, but what is the significance of the nothingness? Is that is? Well, this is a long way from Jerusalem, right? So everybody's expecting the temple to be the place. We talked yeah. about Malachi chapter three, where it says there's going to be a messenger. He's going to be from the temple, right? That's going to be the temple. So we kind of see what happens in the scriptures over and over again. It's God's going to go back to the temple, then kind of pan out through the thing. So we got we got a good distance here, sixty miles as the crow flies, probably ninety miles by travel, five days probably something like that, six days maybe seven, where they're uh, and to, to get to that place, yeah. 12 miles a day, seven, seven days, uh, that kind of thing. And so what we see here is we see this really, really strange moment where, uh, just imagine this little bitty girl hanging out in this little bitty town, knows next to no one. Like, yeah. she probably has 10 acquaintances in her life. Like, yeah. this is a tiny place. Like, she probably chose Joseph because he was the only one to choose. Yeah. Like, this isn't like this big, massive thing. So this is like... It's hard for us to see it. Can, but it, can, Did she get a choice? Like, how much of that was a father, like, receiving a dowry? And, like, I'm just curious. Yeah, so I don't know how much of it was arranged marriages. It's kind of one of those things that, I mean, I think there's some choice in it. Yeah, yeah I mean, sure. There's some a choice. I think there's, to That's right. So <laughs> they're gone, and they're like, oh, I'm not going to give my, you know. So I think there's some choice in that. I think there's some hope in that. But I do think it's a limited, you know. Yeah, you know, limited, limited pool. Yeah, it's a little small aquarium kind of thing. And so not a lot of fishes in the sea. There's, like... That one or that one, not that one. I guess it's this one, right? Uh, so, so yeah. So, you, like, so I mean, can't even, it's hard for us to even imagine like the story going from the temple, this big yeah. massive temple, all this stuff, all these people praying. Zechariah comes out, the charades, and then it's like what? And then all of a sudden, it pans to like this little bitty dirty hut, yeah. right? And so, like, if it's the kind of hut that I experience in Africa, it's like mud and feces, kind yeah. of holding up. So, and this little bitty thing, like 500 square feet, that also included the animals. So there's next to nothing. There's Mary, who's barefoot and dirty, doesn't get to shower, gets to bring a, a you know, bucket of water every day. And so all of a sudden, the scene goes there, and you're like, yeah, what? Luke, you just 
What? So you yeah. just talked about this whole thing six months into this. Now you're now going to the next story. And Theophilus might have heard some of these murmurs, but he heard that she was born, he's born to a virgin. He probably didn't know where she was from or those right. kind of things. Going, what? Nazareth? Of all places, like we literally see this, I think it's in the Gospel of John, when one of the first disciples are told to trust in Jesus before they do, of Nazareth, and they literally go, Nathaniel, John, uh, Philip, and goes, I think it's Nathaniel, um, what good, could anything, anything good come good? From, yeah. uh, from Nazareth? And so like, this is, yeah. it's hard for us to see this in this moment, but this is like, this is the last place in the world yeah. you would look. For a booming metro metropolis city, yeah. like to this, yeah. So uh, just talking this, about the small hut. Yeah, so that's the thing. That, I mean, I, I love Mary and I love her faith, but we see her wrong as yeah. not seeing her. I mean, I have a twelve-year-old. Yeah, this is Briggs's classmates. Yeah, like this, guys. This is crazy. Like this is this is a crazy, crazy story. And this is a guy who's investigating every part of it. Because yeah. if you if you just pluck this one thing out, you go, well, that's stupid. That's weird. And it's important, like. Luke wants us to know it's Nazareth, meaning that God is about to flip the whole world upside down. Yeah. Everything that we have found our value in, in our own comfort, and our own security, and our big and massive, is just the opposite of yeah. that in this little bitty story. And so Luke is like preparing us for that, and he is very clear twice in that next verse. Virgin, virgin. Like he wants yeah, us to know right. that this is the virgin. Hey, the office, she has not had sex, right? This is very important for the story. And so like, okay, Luke's not going to... Hey, he, he finds it important enough to write it down twice. When, yeah. You know, there's limited paper, limited ink. So I think it I think it matters, so we should pay yeah. attention to it. Yeah, I think that that was a big fact that he's trying to make out. It's verse 27 that he mentions it twice. Yeah. Literally, like, one sentence right after the other. Like, the second sentence, and the virgin's name was Mary. Yeah. Like it's, okay, we get the it. The second sentence yeah. was just for the fact that it was, let yeah. me explain who the virgin was. Yeah. Like, So I, it's a pretty big fact. And one of the things that you had talked about over the weekend was... Um, you know, Catholics tend to overemphasize the importance of Mary, and then Protestants, which is what we would be considered yeah. a Protestant, and pretty much anything that's not Catholic that believes in Jesus Christ as a Messiah. Yeah. So, like, Protestants tend to underemphasize. So, I guess my question in that becomes what should be the proper view or perspective that we as Protestants and believers have of Mary? Yeah, uh, so and there's lots to think about there. She's not God, so we got to make sure that we don't see her as God or the one who covers our salvation, which is so interesting in our evangelical world because we go, nope, not Mary, not, yeah. not Mary. But at the same time, so many of us have this belief that because our parents believed it, we're just kind of covered, yeah. right? So it's kind of like, well, because like you don't go to the, your mom for your salvation. You don't go for your dad or your grandma for your right, salvation. Right. So there's, a, there's a, that same precursor going, there is no salvation found in these people and you know there's some arguments to go someone go yep must in the godly level you pray to her so there's some deistic capability and others go no 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 it's just intercessory right it's just intercessory so you're asking her to intercede on behalf of you and it's like well that's still part of that catholic belief system so this is where i would go this is the big line here is that um, what we see in the temple, Luke's going to tell us, John's going to tell us, Matthew and Mark are going to tell us, is that what Jesus does, tells us in uh, the apostles' letters, Paul's letters, that there is no need for an intercessor anymore. And so those that see Mary as intercessor, see one of the saints as an intercessor going, I got to go to them because they have a better relationship with God. Well, Mary birthed Jesus. I mean, if you want to get something done, talk to the mama. You actually see this in in the you know the the, the first miracle at Cana with the wine. Yeah, they go right. to mama first, right? right? It's like, whoa, it's not my time. Okay, mama, love you, right? So yeah, I get this. You want to you want to get something done? Go to the mama, you know. And so there's kind of maybe that kind of 
conception there, but at the same time, it's like this idea that we cannot find our salvation in these saints or this idea that yeah. God loves one human more than the other in, in, in that capacity. Because then there's like this, you know, there's this ranking system and class system, which is right, right. so broken in our world. And so kind of the view it from this classism that there's these really godly people and less godly people and depending on how godly you are the more God likes you doesn't like you he likes us all the same as he sees us through the person he loved the most and the one he murdered right yeah. so he sees us all through what Jesus did so he sees us as perfect and blameless because of the covering that's offered there not the covering that Mary offers right. there right. so that's a pretty important distinction and I would say that's even an important one here is that many of you come to me and ask me to pray to God on your behalf I'm happy to pray with you want to yeah. pray with you but this idea that somehow like God hears my prayers right. and right. likes my prayers and responds differently to my prayers than your prayers I don't want to say when you call to God he may be more likely to be really clear there so that he can show you his love yeah. for you not that he loves me and therefore comes to me so he'll answer my prayers just because he likes me and so he'll do something for you it's like this idea that somehow there is this right. you know this you know that this way this surrogate by which we have to do it and I can see why they can be confused that because essentially Mary is a surrogate for the way that, that you know Jesus is born but so she's not God yeah. um we're all saints, so yep, we can call her a saint, but you got to call us saints too. I mean, that's right. just the, the the priesthood of all believers. He calls us all saints, and so we all have the same access, and yet at the same time, because we see um, this idea that it was overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of people's testimonies, there is something here that we got to value the testimony of Mary, the way that Luke has. Mm -hmm. This is a significant story of someone who was of the least of these and at an age where we don't give them much credit to do one of the most significant things in the world by submitting herself to the God of the universe. So in many ways we should see the value of who Mary is in light of kind of her circumstances, her culture, her age, her experience, all those things that go. If God can use Mary in that way, why not me? Yeah. Why not my children? Yeah. Right? So this is a story we should talk about often because it holds up the value of faith. Yeah, you know, because right. over and over again, what I would argue is that when our faith, trusting God fully and his faithfulness, when they intersect, miraculous things are always going to happen. And yeah. so we have to celebrate and highlight the story and understand the significance of who Mary is because of the story she does and our invitation to do the same. Yeah. So I think so that it, would be the... It should be kind of a model, not she is who we want to become, but a model of the type of faith that we should have as believers. Like, Lord, I may yeah. not understand how all of these things will happen, but would I be willing to, to be your vessel? Yeah, so I took a seminary class a long time ago, and I don't get caught up in the semantics of the words. You got tradition versus traditional, okay. or traditional versus traditionalism. I don't remember which one was which. But the, the valued one, or the, 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 the one that we have, to, we have to stay away from is celebrating the dead faith of living men, mm -hmm. right? This idea that there's a bunch of people who like their traditional isms, right. the things that we do. We pray this, we pray this to Mary, we do this, we say this, we kneel here, we don't. Because that's the structure we cling to, that's celebrating the dead faith. That is not real faith, right? You, those procedures don't get you any closer to God or allow God. Uh, they, they don't get you access to God. Just doing this, these root things, reading scriptures just to read them and praying prayers just to pray them. Those are, those are celebrating the dead faith of living men, meaning my mom does it, so I'm going to do it too. This is what I've always done. This is what I'll make my kids do. You know, tradition in its, in its definition is celebrating the, 
living faith of dead men, mm. right? Celebrating the dead faith of living men. That's what we got to really guard against. We sing these songs because we've always sing these songs. We right. do these things because we've always done those things. Well, why do we do those things? Well, we don't know because we like them. We find comfort in them. Yeah. But that's celebrating false faith, dead faith, and living people. So celebrating the living faith of dead people is going, mm. we have seen real active faith in Mary. We celebrate her. In St. Patrick, we celebrate him. And Luke and Paul and, you know, our grandparents and our great-grandparents and all the elders of this church for the last 294 years. We celebrate and stay on the shoulders of their living faith that still exists for the people who have gone before us, right? And so there is something valuable about celebrating tradition for the sake of going, no, no, what we're celebrating is faith in these people. What we're celebrating here is what Mary has done. It makes sense that every Christmas we pause and go, we are celebrating a 12-year-old virgin because she represents us and represents our children. And we're not going to forget that God mm -hmm. uses the least of these in that way. So I think that's the important part yeah, of this is that we have good. to see that the living faith is still as active for us in the saints that have gone before us. Yeah. Uh, as we kind of continue on in that story, so okay. you talked about Mary would have most likely had an understanding of, of Scripture, at least the Old Testament, of, you know, how God created things. And so as she's kind of told, like, she's favored, uh, you said it was a Greek word, and that Greek word meant grace. Yeah, grace. Grace. So um, as she is kind of putting all of these pieces together, um, you said she would have been surprised but would have had a biblical understanding. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I just really liked the fact that Mary is kind of wrestling with that, and you see that yeah. in the text, yeah. right? Like she's she's not sure how this will be, not as in didn't have the faith of it, but just unsure yeah. and so wrestling with that. Yeah, so true Jewish faith, right? The beauty of Judaism isn't what you see in the first century for a lot of these people. Like there is a there's a real and genuine Jewish faith which comes from the from Abraham and Jacob and Isaac. But there's a false one which made it about rules and regulations mm. and sacrifice, right. this sacrificial you know, class system where you do the things to get favor from God. That's a false one. But the real, there was a real genuine Jewish faith that fully understood from the, from the promise that Abraham that one day God would make all things right. And it was not because they were going to do all things right. right, right? right. There's this covenant promise. So you th see throughout the Old Testament, these Jews are looking forward to the fact that God is the one who's going to do all the gifting. Yeah. Like God is the one that's going to give us gift and make things right and enter, give us the promise thing. It is nothing that we do on our own. We just turn yeah. our eyes towards Him and go, God, we we submit, we surrender, we release control, which is what repentance is. It's releasing control you really don't have, right? And so you see that over and over again in the scriptures. And so like a Jewish faith is always knowing that there is a gift from God in what He's going to give in terms of Yeshua, a, yeah. a Savior. So there is a genuine beauty of the Jewish faith. And in fact, you can still look at you know, Orthodox Jews who still believe that they just missed it in Jesus, yeah. right? Now, there are a lot that follow the traditionalisms and do those things because that's what they do. But there are some that believe in a Messiah. They just haven't seen him yet. Yeah, right. And so what Mary's starting to do is piece these things together and see, okay, virgin, okay, I've heard that before. So you'd see that. Now, what also is really significant here is I tell you that, uh, that um, Luke would have read all the written documents. Most of the time what I refer to and all I have so far is just Matthew and Mark yeah. and the story of Jesus. But what we see here, particularly that he uses the word virgin twice, and he says that, you know, the, the, his father David, he is literally almost, not quite direct quotation, so there's no footnotes here, quoting and, and referencing Isaiah chapter 7. Mm. So he's gone back and go, okay, let's start well before Jesus. So I'm going to go yeah. read Malachi. Okay, temple person. Okay, that's why we will start with John the Baptist. But he would have been well-versed in the scriptures of Isaiah. And so Luke would have gone through and read all the Torah. 
He would have understood it so well. So he, you're talking about tons of time because you're going to see him continue to point to these things and drop these things in. So Theophilus is going, well, I haven't read all that. Yeah. But if Luke has, and he's telling me, connecting the dots in the Old Testament and New Testament, that's yeah. really helpful. So when you see Virgin, you see King David. you got Mary whose ears are per, uh, you know, kind of perking up, but you got Theophilus finding some confidence that Luke has done the real work of studying all these things. So he's going to yeah. bring in juice to the story that they've experienced in real life and understood it growing up, what the promise was. But then he's going to connect the dots to the Old Testament for all of us who yeah. aren't, aren't, didn't, weren't, weren't raised in that kind of pedigree. Right, so. right. And it's, I, I just love the, the fact that it's by grace. That favor that she receives oh, yeah. is not anything merited on her own. It's not because she did so well at, I don't know, milking the cows That's or right. like doing X, Y, and Z. You say milking? Yeah. Is that, oh my gosh, it's milk, milk. Ink. But, but isn't it the act of milking? It's still an eye. So I don't know how you'd make it an E. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, I, apparently, I said that wrong. So I apologize to everybody online. Not to Josh. Yeah. But anyway, so it's not by her grace whether okay. she said the word milking or milking. I don't even know. What, now can I don't know what I said. I don't even know what I said anymore. So it's not by what she's done. And I think that that's kind of the challenge for us. Yes, yeah, so right? that goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. Yeah. So these Jews understood that they were so broken. God, you know, first... Uh, ten chapters of Genesis, he keeps kind of hitting reset, reset, reset. Okay, get it right. Reset, reset. And he's like, like we just keep messing up. So we have this yeah. whole history of just keep messing up. And finally, in, Ab- in, in chapter 11, he brings Abram and calls him Abraham and goes, look, you're going to have a lot of sons. And I'm going to bless all your sons. And I am going to send a savior for yeah. all your sons. Right? So they understood that it was by grace alone. So when he, when she hears, oh, favored one, she's going, I'm favored. I'm gracious. That's the same words that he yeah, was used in right. different language. Same words to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. This boy, they broken, right? Yeah. To you know, to Joseph and to Judah, and you know, just follow the line of all these people that he continued to make these promises for in the middle of a mess. So that's pretty significant. Go. Yeah. What happens here is that God is going to go. Here's my grace to you, and what you're going to see. And this is why it's so important to me in the virgin birth. It's not just that. God is fully man. Really, really important. Jesus is fully man. So we believe in the virgin birth, hold it at very high value for that, that he's fully man. But what we see here is we see the initiation of how that happens. That's that's key here. So how does God usher a savior into the world? It's through his Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right? So we gotta hold at high value the Holy Spirit and the fact that the Holy Spirit is the one who initiates and then instigates and by the way, yeah. fertilizes yeah. this birth. Right? I mean, this is so significant that the way by which we become saved, the way that we finally get this is never of our own doing, just like it's not for Abraham. So if you continue to go, I keep trying to share it, and my cousin, my daughter, is not getting it. It's going, because you can't save them. Yeah. Right? The best thing to do is ask the Holy Spirit to continue to, to fertilize that soil. And it's such a weird term in terms of we're talking about conception here, but like the, that is really what we see yeah. here is all of this, guys. All of this is an act of the Holy Spirit doing the works. So not only does it show that he's fully God, it shows and gives us an understanding of exactly how does birth happen, and therefore so we can understand how rebirth happens, yeah. right? It all happens from the, the, the Spirit's initiation and instigation. Yeah. So, that's good. I think that that's so important and oftentimes forgotten, at least yeah. for me, that it's because I do want to, like, Lord, I know it's your will for this, and mm-hmm. so it's... It, it's also in his time. You know, Holy Spirit uses our words, uses our yeah, understanding, right. uses our experience. But we don't get credit for any of that. Right. It's just part of what we do. So we, we're obedient to it. And God will use it, but we cannot force it. We yeah. will never have any any real fruit from our 
forcing of these things right. because right. guess what? God wants to get credit for this. Yeah. God wants to get credit for the virgin birth. Yeah. That's why Luke tells us it. That's why he captures it. That's why he puts Luke in front of Mary. He wants us to know this was his doing, not Mary's doing, yeah. and definitely not Joseph's doing. Yeah. It was his doing. Yeah. I, I do want to jump to, yeah. uh, I think it's what, 31 through 34, the, yeah. the seven things um, that Mary is told about Jesus and what we understand. Yeah. You you mentioned him in, yep. in the beginning. Number one, that he would be the Savior, that he had always been the plan. Uh, that three, he was fully man. Four, he's fully God. Five, he was fully sovereign. He was the king of all. Um, six, that he was eternal. He was forever. And then seven, he was sinless. Was there anything deeper in those? Like, Because that's a pretty expansive list. Like for this 12... 13, maybe 14, who knows, like this young girl to be able to fully comprehend, like, do you think she fully understood it in that moment? Or maybe as she's being interviewed by Luke years later, she has a greater understanding. And I, I don't know, I, I guess that's an open-ended yeah. question. So it's a but. yes and uh, it's yes, she does. And yes, she does. Right. So she's starting to understand this. I don't know at what level she doesn't tell us, yeah. but there is a deeper understanding when she's probably walking this yeah. with Luke. And that is just so interesting. Like, I'll have people tell me this all the time. Um, man, I wish my church were to pre preach the gospel like this. I wish my pastor would have helped me understand like this. That's such a, such a nice term. I appreciate it. I love teaching the Bible. But the reality is, I don't know that I'm a better Bible teacher. or Whoever teaches from our stage is a better Bible teacher than your pastor growing up. I just think something's happened, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is... Yeah, like remove something from your eyes or all of a sudden it makes a lot more sense. Right, so right. it's nice of you to give us credit and I appreciate that. But there are people right now in our church who a decade later will go, I wish at CLC I would have yeah, understood right. this stuff, right? That's right, just right. part of the, the work of the spirit in our lives because he's doing all the work. And so we can we have to be faithful to the teaching and to the scriptures. But there is a way by which God reveals himself. So I think in this sense, yes, I think Mary is connecting all the dots. And the reason we know that is because you see how she responds, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm about to have a baby. I don't understand it. I'm going to ask you how it's going to happen. You're going to tell me something weird about the Holy Spirit. And I'll go, okay, because nothing's impossible, and I'm going to go let it be, right? So there is this um, there's this innocent submission in yeah. this, right, which I think is where salvation starts, and that's what's so hard. Going, I want to understand all the details. It's like, guys, I still don't understand all the details. Yeah. This is the craziest story in the world, right? It's, it's nuts that God would step out of heaven. Yeah. Like, I don't even have a trouble anymore. Why would God... You know, do send bad people to hell. First of all, I don't think he does. But the reality is, I am still on the other side now that I cannot fathom why God would let me near him. Yeah. Right? The more I get to learn about God. But I didn't start there. I started right. with, I prayed a prayer, asked Jesus in my heart, because I believe that there was some way to be saved that I couldn't do on my own. I believe there's some way to be reconciled to God, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start up that staircase. But no one starts up the staircase, seeing the, or starts up the first stair and sees the whole staircase. Right. There's no one who does. And if you need to see all that, this is a hard thing because that is not faith, right? Yeah. And so what we're gonna see here is more a response of her faith, hmm. not a response of her understanding. Yeah, okay, yeah, I get yeah. all okay. this. I understand, and there's some good stuff. And Luke is making sure we understand that these are all the promises that are made in the Old Testament. So he's connecting this for Theophilus. But I don't think she's going. Okay, you know what? Okay, met that list. Wait. Okay. Oh, yeah. But looking for that and then to say you're okay yeah. like that i think it's more you're going to see her submission in light of just a couple yeah. scriptures ago okay that's you're telling good. me this that's is the messiah really you're telling me this is the savior okay yep that's the things i should know about a savior right you're telling me this is the savior you're, you're telling me you're telling me that god is gracious and he's going to finally give us the messiah the one that all of us are looking for you're telling me today that god is going to make a way where there's no way you're telling me that i actually can know him and be close to him you're telling me that i don't know how that works but that's what my heart is longing yeah. for so i think it's more of a longing of her heart that this angel says that's going to be then he shows a person where that that, that's happened and so I think it's more of a just this is her taking the first step yeah. not her seeing the whole staircase that's, I think that's as you were talking I thought about the uh, and it might even be Luke um, but as the disciples there's numerous times throughout the scripture like through Matthew, Mark, Luke 
and or John. I don't remember exactly where, but when it says, and the disciples believed. It's like, wait a minute. The Didn't disciples, they believe? Like, they, they, they've been they, following Jesus. He literally for, left his wife. Exactly. For another man, right? Yeah. Wait, no, not really. Yeah, I understand yeah, what like he, yeah. He's just, like, yeah. just that whole idea of they believed. Like, as they saw more and more, their faith grew. Like, it's not that they didn't yeah. have belief before. But it, it became more real or solidified, I think, in that. So I just I thought of that as an example as you're yeah. talking about Mary, that she responded by faith. And maybe she wasn't fully there, yeah. but on some level she was. Yeah. So I think that that's good. Uh, anything else that you would say from maybe those seven, uh, seven things to understand or what is kind of said about Jesus in verses 31 through 34? Yeah, I, I, I always joke about this, but I think to me, you know, this is apologetic. It comes from the word that Peter says, always give a defense. What is that? That verse 33, that even if you're not a Christian or know people that aren't Christians in this, I think what you see here, like in all these things, is just a longing for what we're looking for, yeah. right? And I, I talk about it all the time. That's why I think we love superhero movies. You are wasting your money on every single Marvel movie. They are all the same. <laughs> things are good, and then things get bad. And then someone saves them, and then things get good again, right? But in the beginning, there is this hope for a better future, but there's this evil lurking, right? And then all of a sudden, the evil comes in and does the damage, the fall, and then they're always looking for a savior. And the crazy thing about the savior in all these movies, right, is there's always some some kind of supernatural thing, right? It's some kind of person who's like us, but somehow has extra powers that can come in and save the day because we can't save ourselves. And I go, why do we keep paying for these blockbuster events and now you're paying twenty dollars to watch it on your computer right that's what you're doing now for these things and like so why do we keep doing that except for there's just this longing in our heart knowing yeah. that there's something amiss and there's something they like even though this covid stuff we're holding out for a vaccine all this kind of stuff but all of us would really love to have just a savior like we'd love for yeah. that to be a thing you see the jokes about like this is gotham and you see what's going on in our world and all of us just like they're going, oh, if we just had a batman i'm like we have a savior, you know, so there is this deep longing in that that's really, really beautiful. And the other part of that, that that I think is really, really important is not just that we're drawn to those movies. By the way, we're also drawn to the romantic comedies and we do it to say, like we, we, we tie it to fate or serendipity or love, like conquers all. And all that's true, underwritten by the, the Holy Spirit, right? So we're just drawn to those things. I go, I actually pause. I'm asking your friends to pause. I go, why are we so drawn to that? But the other thing I think that we're really drawn to is that idea of, forever so it says his kingdom there will be no end yeah. and no matter who you are right or maybe I'll take it back for most of us the majority of the people in the world that is what we hope mm. right like when we think about suicide and maybe some people hope that it's just a bleak ending and life hurts i can't imagine the pain for that again all the more need for a savior but there's just this hope that there's something greater out there after here Right, we talk about it. They're in a better place. They're with you know their nephews, or they went to a different world, or whatever it is. But there is this longing that we have, and now there's like this new, you know, atheistic, angry movement that goes, "There's nothing. It's bleak and you know obsolete." And I'm going, to, "What joy do we have now in those things?" But there is something in us that we're really drawn to the forever, and that's why I keep telling you over and over again. Nobody gets to the end of their life and goes, "Wow." That just drug by, right? It goes so fast. And I would argue wholeheartedly the reason it goes so fast is that part of you, that soul, that part you can't escape, the part that feels pain, like it will go on forever. And it knows that. If you don't, we don't, right? But it knows that. So this idea of forever is actually that part of you longs for that and deep down keeps time based on that, not based on the calendar year. And so I think there's just some evidence there to go when it says your kingdom will have no end is gone. Can we just admit that sounds pretty glorious? Like to be drawn to a king who 
sustains time and the mm-hmm. world in that way. And that, I think, is something that we all could find compelling and hopeful. And I think we're missing out on some hope right now. So I'm going let's, let's think about that more. Challenge our friends to think about that more. So that would be the piece that I spend a little bit more time on. Uh, I don't remember what time we started. So we I'm got not sure. uh, six minutes if we're going okay, for Okay, six minutes if we're shooting for an hour. Uh, now I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the things you said was, you know, we can't afford it, but the only hope that we have is, is access to. Now, first of all, there was an example and an illustration in that. Yeah. So if you have access to, uh, it was Duke and North Carolina tickets, uh, courtside, you can email Only us. a Cameron Indoor Stadium. I don't want to go to that <laughs> baby blue stadium. So Gross. if you don't, that was part of a joke. So, But yeah. you can email overtime at clcfamily.church. <laughs> I'm sure Josh would take you up on that. But... Um, can you explain that, that what you were talking about in that, the purpose of that? Yeah, so, what's so funny is that um, Charlie Daniels died recently. That's not what's funny, but I actually got to interact with him once. And okay. the reason I got to interact with him, this is so silly, I can't believe I'm saying it out loud, but, you know, it's true. And uh, so it was because um, we're my cousin, my mom's brother's daughter, so my first cousin's married to Hank Williams Jr., Okay. So I've been to so many Bo Cephas concerts in my life, like from the time I was like five or six. But every time we've ever gone, like I've always had backstage passes, right? Okay. So like I would call, they'd give me tickets, like me and my buddies, and we had backstage passes. And so there's one concert with Charlie Daniels and Little Feet and um, really good band. It's kind of like a jam country band. And um, and Hank. But we got, and it was an amphitheater, and we just got to sit backstage like, Whenever we wanted to. So you could see through the gates and Charlie Daniels would be eating some chicken fingers sitting on a picnic bench and we were sitting next to him and all these people were walking by trying to get his attention. And I don't know why. I love Charlie Daniels. That was, you know, like uh, he finished. Hank had to get somewhere. So he flew in, jet, got out and Charlie Daniels finished. And this is right after he became a Christian. Hmm. Right. So we didn't talk a lot about his faith. A little bit, a little bit. But I was like 19. I didn't want to talk too much about that stuff. But he finished the whole concert with How Great Thou Art. Hmm. So just a beautiful moment in, uh, in, in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, and so, but I was sitting back there with him. There he is. You know, everybody's saying him. And everybody's like, hey, that's Charlie. And like, it was just so crazy to think about. How in the world did I end up in this moment? And, you know, we're all giddy. It's so weird. You know, celebrity kids, you know, and a bunch of teenagers and that kind of stuff. But there just felt like some kind of esteem. In it. And the reality is there is nothing I could have personally done to get yeah. back there, right? Like, right. there's nothing. I mean, I could have climbed the fence, but I got arrested or whatever. It's like, there's just nothing. Like, And so that's not even, that's a, a smaller moment of things that just cost a, an absorbent amount. And yeah. then when you think about what they cost, there's just no way I'd pay it, right? right? I, I could afford to pay it or even would if I could. But, like, so there's this idea that we all get it in our minds that the way that we access things that are beyond our understanding is not because we have access, but because we know someone who has access. Yeah, right. So when you think about Charlie Daniels sitting there, now imagine that at a greater level, being able to have access to God. Well, how do you do that? I can't pay the price. Right. The God of the universe who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who I've literally, sorry for the offense of this, stuck my middle finger up at him a, a thousand times in my life saying, I like my plan better than yours, right? right. There's no way I could do enough to make that right. But I could have access as if his son yeah. could make it right for me. Hmm. Right? And so the story of the gospel is not that far-fetched and that I want access to God, you want access to God. But deep down we know that we're not good enough to get access to God. So it has to be that the, someone else has to give us access or we're just all miserable and we live yeah. a bleak life. And so the reality that that to me makes sense to me. The same way I talk about like the adoption piece. We all understand that ink sat on a paper in front of a judge means we can adopt a child. I right. did that. And we're like, yeah, that's just normal. But the idea that Jesus wrote with his own blood that we are adopted children to the Father God. For some reason, we go, oh, that, that, that's far-fetched. Yeah. What? Some judge in ink with authority can give us that, but we somehow lost sight of that with God and Jesus. So yeah. this isn't, I mean, it's a crazy story, 
But when we think about it, all those things in our life actually point to this story. So when Luke yeah. is grabbing all this stuff and pointing to the Old Testament and pointing to the Samaria, you see the same thing and he's kind of whispering the same stuff to us going, wait, we already do this. This is just yeah. at a much greater level. But if yeah. that can happen, then why? Why can't yeah. that happen? I yeah. think is the, the reality of it. So. Yeah, I think you're right. It's That'll preach, by the way. more significant level yeah. that we, yeah. of things that we understand, yet it's... It's yeah. so much more impactful. Right? Yeah, so if that's true, why can't this be true? And if yeah. that's true, why can't this be true? And all of a yeah. sudden, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus going, right. okay, I get how I got here now. Right. It was all you. That's if good. that's the case, I need to worship you, right? I mm-hmm. thought it was a good good illustration, yeah. good analogy. I use it probably too much. I think I've probably used it a couple, three times here. You probably <laughs> never heard it. because it, Actually, I don't know if I have. Yeah, that's terrible. But then, then again, I don't listen to many of your conversations or your messages. Anyway, um, uh, two last thoughts that I had was, one, I just really love the idea that Elizabeth was the testimony for Mary. Oh, yes. And you talked about the, you know, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, the importance of that. And there is something incredible about sharing what God has done in our lives, how, yeah. it, how it boosts or it can be a boost to other people's faith and, and the significance you know, of that. You know, it's interesting. I don't mean to cut you off again another no, one, good. but it's a, the, the verse 12 where it says that, or 11, and they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We all quote that one. But yeah. the, the best part of that is, yeah. and they loved unto their lives even unto, unto death. death. Could you imagine? Yeah. I, I'm not there yet, guys. I like my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I know people that have gone through deep pain and they love not their lives, even yeah. under death. They're like, God is all glorious. And it's like, could you imagine getting there? Yeah. Like, could you imagine what your life would look like? And imagine what all these circumstances would look like in your life or your marriage or your job or your, you know, your tax returns. Could you imagine what all that stuff looked like? Yeah. Your diagnosis of, you know, pain or suffering or ailments. Like, if you could get there, like, could you yeah. imagine? Like, they did not love their life even unto death. It's like, the yeah. worst thing that could happen to me is I get access. Yeah. I get backstage. You know, like I'm not yeah. there. I want to be, but I'm not there yet. But I imagine that it could it'd be glorious to always be there. Yeah, I think of Philippians when Paul said to live as Christ, yeah. to die as gain. I'm like, man, I love that verse because it's challenging. Like, I want to get yeah. to that point and that level, and I I know that I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure when that day comes, but. Yeah. I want to be able to say like Paul, hey, to be absent from the body is to be present yeah. with Jesus. One day we'll get there and we'll go, why did we fight this so hard? Like, <laughs> yeah. what were you thinking? You know, yeah. like, but yeah. it's like when I try to make, give my kids medicine. They're like, no, no, no. And then a day later, like, I'm so glad I took medicine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that next time. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and then the last thing that you said was just kind of the, uh, I, I like this as a practical take home. So kind of the intentional last thing I wanted to bring up was nothing is impossible for God. Like, and that's what the angel says for nothing is impossible with God. But then what you added to that on, on over the weekend is, do you believe that? Yeah. And I think that that is, that is the question, right? Like, cause we can read the story, we can hear it, we can sit through a message, we can listen to a podcast, but do we believe that nothing is truly impossible for God. And I think that that's a great question. Anything you wanted to add to that, but a great question to almost end on. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, the proof, and I hate this term, but the proof is in the pudding. You know, the mm-hmm. idea that you go, hey, my pudding's good. Let me try it. Okay, it's good. You know, like that's where that, 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 that terminology comes from or that euphemism. But I do think the belief is in the action, right? Yeah. Well, there is something evidentiary, if we're talking about that, in terms of Luke's writing and our life, such a point that if nothing's impossible to God, then... Why wouldn't you invite your neighbor yeah. into this story? Why wouldn't you reach out and offer forgiveness yeah. to your parents? Like, why wouldn't you do those things? Like, if nothing's impossible, those things you go, no, that won't matter. Yeah. That can't, there's no way. We've already said no for other people. Well, if this is true, one of the places that that's going to really, really, why don't we trust God with our finances? Hmm. Right? If this is really true, and so there's actually some real practical application. We look at our life and go, oh, yep, not sure. I think that will 
What a great way to see if it's true, right? And let's trust him in it. And so that would be the thing. Uh, there's actually a pretty nice litmus that we can look over our life to see whether or not that that's evidence or that that's real for us. Well, I think that's pretty much all the time that we have for today. I want to thank you guys for joining us. Again, whether you're watching us live or if you're catching us afterwards on one of our channels, podcasts, um, thank you so much for joining us. What we really hope is that this helps challenge and encourage your faith and grows you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have any questions, you want to be part of the discussion for next week, please feel free to email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. We'd love for you to be part of that dialogue and help us kind of figure out what that discussion is. Join us over the weekend. We've got online services at 5 o'clock on Saturday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 on Sunday morning, as well as our drive-in service, which now starts at 9 a.m. Much cooler. On Sunday mornings, and it is much cooler. So we'd love to see you there. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week. See you next week.